The problem is not the problem. The problem is the way we think about the problem. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast hosted by myself, Akin Omobitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bit so that you, the wonderful listeners, do not have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Hey, hey, hey. Hi, everybody. Uh, loving this article today. Glad to squeeze it with you. It's about paradox. Mm. And it's about how much stuff in life can't really be solved. It's just attention. Yes. I yes. really enjoy that. And I, if I, can I give a little summary? Yeah, please do. At the highest level, it is that if we ignore the paradox and try to act like we can fix it, we're destined to fail. And it can be quite frustrating. If we accept that the paradox will never be addressed... We can kind of get on top of it and save ourselves a lot of emotional energy and even perform better in so doing. Counterproductive, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so before we uh, before we start getting our, our feet wet in this one, so the title uh, formally is Micro Foundations of Organizational Paradox. The problem is how we think about the problem. And shout outs go to Ella Mirren Spector, uh, Amy Ingram, Joshua Keller, Wendy Smith and Marianne Lewis. Hi, so, everyone. hey, <laughs> uh, let's see. So, <laughs> yeah. here's the question which they ask in the paper, and we can kind of use this as a platform to take off. So, why do some thrive with tensions while others struggle? What's up with so that? Oh, interesting. Let's start with the word tensions. So, when I think about the word tensions, especially in the context of like organizational life, I think about how we're supposed to be an individual contributor and really be like accountable for our individual accomplishments. But then we're also supposed to be a team player and make sure that as an organization, we all win. And sometimes those fight each other. And that's really interesting. Or like in our relationships, we want to have safety and security and we want to make sure that we really can predict who and how we're going to be treated with by this person. But then we also want that eroticism and that sensuality and the mystery and it's really hard to have both. Totally. And I think that that is really interesting that it is possible to thrive through that or to be taken apart by that. Mm. And they go on to list uh, a couple of, I guess, uh, conditions within the organizational framework. But, you know, you could expand these throughout your life. But the big two seem to be time and money. Mm. Like this mm. seems to be mm. where the heads begin to yeah. butt. Yeah. And from a organizational perspective, the expectation is I will be in from nine to five, five days a week, and I will be paid this much. And on top of that, there will be projects that I will be working on where I'm supposed to dedicate percentages of my time to specific projects. Yeah. And the idea is that I will be given resources yeah. in terms of money. And I will also be expected to generate resources in terms of money. So part of that tension could be if I'm working on four different project, mm. projects, there's probably someone who works on projects and they're laughing, but like four part-timer. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I need to, I need to divide my time. Yeah. And I also yeah. need to be insanely productive and also to use their word innovative yeah. in this as well, which yeah. is another tension. Yeah. Like 
uh, you know, before we start getting too uh, too into the studies, the innovation bit, I don't know if you had some thoughts mm, about that, absolutely. Dan, because we can chop that up a bit in terms of where this paradox comes in regarding innovation. Yeah, absolutely. With innovation in particular, we talked about the freedom in the frame in one of our podcasts. Yeah. But this idea that every organization is accountable for what it's promised. So it has to do the right thing at the right time, at the right price, at the right quality level. But at the same time, it has to be innovating to stay relevant. It has to try to think up new ways of coping with the world. In the same way, Akin, that like you and I, on the one hand, have to like execute the stuff that we know how to do. But then we have to be learning and growing if we want to like be relevant in 10 years. Yes. And those fight with each other because, they, as you said, they both take time. They both take time. So like if I take the time to get this right, I don't have time to learn and try something new and experiment because that's really open-ended. If I spend all my time over here doing open-ended stuff, I never get shit done. Yep. This this reminds me in the moment of I was listening to a philosophy podcast because you know something. outside of recording this podcast, I listened to other ones as well. Uh, so they were talking about the I guess just kind of like the general human tensions philosophically, yeah. and out of this we get our left right divide regarding politics because the right typically seen as the conservatives their values are around preserving we want to preserve mm -hmm. traditions and we want stability mm -hmm. and then the left uh, typically they're around progress we want to advance and we want to move forward there's a paradox right there like right. we we it's difficult to do both and yeah. what we do as a society is we pit one against the other yeah. and we fight and we see the tensions yes. that this brings yeah. about and everything begins to kind of like, well, get crap. Whereas the two are supposed to complement right. one another. Right. And we'll get we'll get kind of like into this more as we go into, into the paper. But just that idea in itself, because this is something that we'll experience internally, as we see in this paper. And you just have to kind of look out of your window to see it taking place yeah. externally at the same time. So they introduced a, a mindset, which I hadn't heard about before, which is one of the fun things about these papers is your, your gang, Dan, mm -hmm. have to keep mm -hmm. inventing names we're nutty <laughs> you guys are I just mean, like we got time on our hands <laughs> we gotta come up with some new names and then we have to make it sound really sophisticated because yes. otherwise people are gonna kind of give us jobs right so if you want to keep your job you got to make it sound kind of hard yeah it's not fun to call it attention but you can call it a paradox mindset you know what i'm talking about you segue beautifully into this so this paradox mindset so we've talked about these struggles with tensions these competing elements the external conditions such as time and money and other resources that put a pressure on us in order to well not in order to but that influence our performance in several different areas so there's a mindset which some people have which helps them to thrive. And yeah. this is the yeah. paradox yeah. mindset. And do, do you want to say a little bit about yeah. like what's going on in these people's heads? I think it's, it's incredible. And I really mean this part. I'm not saying this facetiously. I think that it's, inc it's an incredible thing that the human brain can do to go meta. And I think it's really interesting that we can be the sort of person that's able to get above how it feels mm. and think about how it is. Mm. And I don't think we stay there for long. I mean, in some ways, this is what meditation can help with. But like, here's how it feels that I have something really urgent to do. But if I do that urgent thing, which I feel called to do, I won't do the important thing that actually is going to take a lot of time. And that notion of a tension between what's urgent, and what's important 
It can really cause me frustration if I think I can clear out all the urgent things and then get to the important things. Because then I'm always worrying and running around doing urgent things, but knowing that I'm failing. And what this paradox mindset says is if you get up above that and you say there will always be urgent things and there will always be important things and you can't do them both because of the limited resource of time, what you need to do is cope with that by realizing it won't ever be fixed and then have a strategy for doing a bit of each yep. or have a strategy for moving forward. So I just think in this podcast, so much of what we do is how we can use our own brains to kind of live a better life. Yep. And I think that's why this one falls right in that sweet spot. Yeah. What I loved about the paradox mindset is there was just a little line in it, which just like really clicked in my head. And it was about people who have this paradox mindset when they are faced with situations which bring about the paradox and the tension, part of what they do is they look at it as a puzzle. Where as opposed to it being something that just needs to be resolved, like how do I get this negative feeling to stop? They look at it as something to get their teeth into. As in like, how do I, how do I gain this in a sense? Like, how do I turn this into a challenge where I'm a bit like, okay, you want some life? Let's go. Challenge accepted. I'm going to see how. I can get the best of both. And it's this simple, it was that combined with the simple idea of replacing either or with and. So instead of it being, I need to either do the important thing or the urgent thing, it's I need to do the important thing and the urgent thing. And then the puzzle element kicks in. It's like, how do I do both? Mm-hmm. And this is what, is what I find real trippy about this is even just saying it, yeah. it's a bit like, well, that's obviously the most difficult thing to do. And it clearly can't help. So don't do that. Don't and it. Yeah. Don't have a challenge yeah. and then and yeah. your challenge. Yeah. But it seems like actually yeah. counterintuitively, that's what goes on to help. Yes. And that is really hard. Like one of the very real takeaways I got in this one is when I first read Adam Grant's book, um, Give and Take. Okay. And he makes the comment that in a really competitive world, what you want to do is give to your competitors. Mm. And at first I remember thinking like, well, the way I was thinking about the problem is that won't get you ahead. Like that's going to be taken advantage of. But in his book, and then with a lot of research since the book, it kind of makes the point that if you are able to befriend your competitors, you can still be competing, but you're helping each other at the same time. Yeah. And that's really interesting. You can find niches where you make the pie bigger, for example. Together, you can kind of help them grow their niche while they're helping you grow yours. You've got two minds on the problem. You're learning from them and being inspired by them. So there's all these really interesting things that just wouldn't have come about if you simply held them outside the room and locked the door. Mm. And that's a paradox. I think that that's actually really an interesting solution that you, if, if you start with or, then you don't invest in and. Yeah. And what you've done, I mean, here's one more thing I find really interesting is in the paradox mindset. It's not just that by taking the paradox mindset, you get to neutral. What they're showing is creativity and innovation go up. Yes. Yeah, that that bit I found real spicy yeah. as well because it's <laughs> it's not just about getting the thing done. Yeah. It's I, I guess this is why I love the word uh, mindset because it's mm. like what mm. mindset are we taking yeah. to yeah. 
situations yeah. that we face in life. Like yeah. if you're just getting things done, yeah. that's for me, that just doesn't feel like a invigorating way to It's almost like taking a pass, isn't it? Yeah. It's autopilot. Yes. It's like, it's, it's just happening. Yeah. Whereas this idea of like leaning into it and they, they referenced it as like a double-edged sword regarding the, um, the paradox mindset, because like when you find yourself in these tense situations, the fret, is that they they inspire stress like they, like you like it is a lot like you know as much as we're talking about how fun and exciting it is when you open up your laptop and you've got like you know x amount of unread emails you, someone needs you to call them back urgently your own to-do list is now double-sided and it, like it does not feel good like it, it just doesn't like it's just like this is a lot to get done. Yeah. And so a threat comes with that because it brings on about this stress. And then to your point, Dan, what the stress does is it reduces creativity and it reduces the likelihood of innovation. And do you want to, do you want to throw some, some more uh, at that, Dan? I think that that's just right on the idea that by keeping this positive psychology around this stress, it's not that you don't experience the tensions. The tensions are still right there. But the way that you're coding them allows your brain to work better. Yeah. And that really is the secret. Like one more thing around, I'm doing some research right now on this urgent versus important paradox. Mm. And one of the ways that people are coping is by slotting on a Monday, two hours a day, every day of deep work. Okay. Where they just focus on the important Okay. And even though urgency is pounding at the door and kicking them in the, uh, in the head, they're just like, nope, right now I'm going to focus on what's important to get done and letting things fall off the table. And rather than, you know, things are falling off the table and breaking, they're not getting as much stuff done, but they can sleep really well knowing that they've brought the best of themselves to their job. And there's always going to be urgent stuff that's not going to get done. So just accepting that and then doing your best work, not in spite of it, but because you're accepting it, you're able to bring your best game. Yeah, I man. think that's really, even frankly, talking about this, it has the tendency to sound like mumbo jumbo if yeah. we're not careful. Yep. Like, just think of it differently. <laughs> That's I worry. Have that, you tried <laughs> thinking about it differently? I'm, I'm worried about that part. So, um, the word mindset. Uh, this you could say that this is like um, a dweck kind of thing, but like one way to think about what a mindset is is it's a framework or a lens that helps you interpret experiences and organize reality. And I just think that it's really again the power of this show, in my opinion, is looking at how human beings are able to use their brains to interpret reality in a way that lets them create the best contribution to it. Yeah. And I think that what we're up against right now, even though it's very complex, and I hope it doesn't sound too confusing, but when we start getting into the actual items and the actual studies, what they seem to be showing is it is possible to develop a way of thinking about tensions that puts less stress on you and instead opens up your brain to perform better. Mm. That's the bottom line. I That's think. pretty slick. Okay. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Done. So there were two studies yeah. um, and... So I'm, I'm going to really like lean on you for yeah. some help with yeah. these, Dan, yeah. because this paper, yeah. in terms of reading it, yeah. when I read the abstract and the intro, I was a bit like, oh my God, we're about to have so much fun. And then I read the actual yeah. studies and I was like, oh my God, this is so yes. technical. Yes. So is. from what I can yeah. grasp, study one was kind of looking at how do people respond to tension? Is that, is that well, what? Whew. 
<laughs> first, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, yeah. The first really funny thing is study one was eight studies. Yes. Like, here's what's so weird about our science these days. And by the way, I love this, but I'm just impressed. They studied employees in Israel, uh, students in China, uh, employees in the UK, employees in China, employees in the US, more employees in the US, students in our, uh, Israel, and employees in the UK. And in each of these, they were creating a scale of how they could attack this problem. They were, yeah. they were creating a scale of items. You could go to survey. They were creating a survey that would see whether people had different mindsets. Yes. Because they had a theory that they wanted to test and study too. That people that did have a more paradoxical mindset would not only experience less stress, but higher performance and higher creativity, et cetera, et cetera. So the first eight studies, which they're calling study one, was just to validate that scale. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, they did a lot of good stuff. There's these things called confirmatory factor analyses, which you do not want to know a lot about. <laughs> confirmatory factor analysis. <laughs> But it's essentially like, do the items in your survey hang together in the way you'd want them to? And then there's one called discriminant validation. Okay. Which, like, you have to show that the scale that we're creating is different from other scales that might be called the same thing. Yes. So, like, is it different from just being happy? Yep. Is it different from just being a good worker? Mm. And they have to go through and, like, test all of that. Yep. And then they have to say it's called predictive validation. It's like, okay... The item hang together. It's different from the other scales, and now it predicts something in reality. Like um, creativity would be an example. Yes. That would be an outcome that it would predict. And my gosh, I have to say, they really did some hard slogging here. Yep. I mean, this is years of work. This is years of work to let companies and schools in so that they could like validate a scale. Is it's an enormous undertaking. It's not that fun to read. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, I, I didn't find it fun to read. I didn't. I didn't find it fun to read because I'm used to some of these studies where they get like you know some unsuspecting like students to turn up at labs. Yeah, and it's a bit like let's freak them out. You put on the werewolf suit. You've got like you you put on the leather, and it's just a bit like you know you turn up. And you're like okay, so what what's happening? What they do? Yeah. So I was reading it, and I was like, when are we gonna get weird? Yeah, yeah. When are we gonna do the yeah. weird things? Yeah, it's like there's no weird things. <laughs> And I have to say, this is actually one of the issues in our science. Um, a lot of the, what I'll call blocking and tackling isn't much fun to read. It's why maybe squeezing the orange is kind of good for people who care about social science. Yeah. Because for now, we're going to move on. <laughs> like, frankly, you people out there can be like, that guy's a professor. I have done two scale validations. I know all these different steps. It takes years to do this work. It isn't that fun to talk about anymore. What you need to know if you're listening right now is at the end of this, they had a pretty good scale that they then took into study two where they were measuring, for example, experiencing tensions. That's like strongly agree or strongly disagree. I often has have competing demands that need to be addressed at the same time. That's one of their items. Here's another one. I often need to decide between opposing alternatives. Now, what they're hoping is that people say yes to that, but then also some of them say yes to, I feel uplifted when I realize two opposites can be true. Mm. That's the paradox mindset, that second one. So I just think it is actually kind of cool, even though it's very techy, that you can experience the tensions and that can uplift you and that can energize you. 
I, w- I wonder, like, you know, building on this, I wonder in terms of, you know, if there's people out there, like an individual level, yeah. it's a bit like, I guess, what steps can people take in terms of like cultivating this mindset? And then also if people are in like leadership positions, whether it's like organizations or teams, how do you begin to inspire or like invoke it within yourself or inspire this in others. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the paper that I'm working on right now with Laura Georg, she's a PhD um, student who then went to Harvard, did a postdoc, and is now here at London Business School doing a postdoc. Nice. We are studying the urgent versus important one that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And what we did is an intervention, six weeks of intervention, mm. where on the Monday we had them sit down for an hour and just think about what's urgent this week and think about what's important this week. And pick two hours every day where you're going to go deep work. Yeah. You're going to literally shut down the email and shut off the text and just do your deep work. Yeah. And we did find that statistically significantly after six weeks, they were less burnout and they delivered higher contributions. Yeah. So I do really believe that this happens, but it took their leadership team. It's a lot of strength to be able to say they're just going to go offline for two hours and we're just going to trust them. Mm. We just can't bother them. Yeah. That's a lot of trust, isn't it? Yeah. So my first and most true answer to your question would be, you have to hire people and develop the people to the point where you trust them to develop this mindset. Yep. Because otherwise, you're going to always be pushing them to do the urgent stuff. Yep. I also think, though, I don't have data on this one, that the leader can model it by like the way they talk about the problem. Yep. So the way she or he, the leader, says there's always going to be urgent stuff. But it's important that we do important stuff. Yeah. And talking about it and signaling that they value it. I think that, that that's what that's yeah. leadership work, isn't it? Totally. Totally. And because we one of our earlier episodes is on humble leadership. And a big part of that did seem to be leading by example. And the example being sometimes I find this tough. Sometimes I'm challenged. Yeah. And I guess Connecting that with this episode, leading would be, yet sometimes I also have to deal with the competing elements of urgent and important, and it can feel very, like, anxiety, like, invoking, and here's some ways in which I I manage that. I'm I'm studying at the moment, um, I won't say what, uh, but I'm, I'm in some study at the moment, and... One of the things that I've done, as you kind of bring up kind of like deep work, because it's like I'm studying, I'm working, I'm doing like creative things. And I found it really tough, like just trying to actually sit down and just do the one thing that I want to do. So I've been attempting this deep work thing. And so I've got an egg timer uh, and it's literally got the tick, 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 tick. So what I do is when it's time to sit down, crack my knuckles and start writing, I crank that for half an hour. And I try to do like, you know, like two hours, like you say, and I'll do like half an hour where it's the phone is in a different room. Everything's off and it's just like, just dive in. And then once the half an hour goes, I give myself like five, 10 minutes to kind of like, you know, eyeballs and, and it's just like, again, dive right back in. And there is something so liberating and freeing where it's just all of that tension from the all of the competing elements dissolves so i'm like they will be there yeah, that's right they're still they, there they're still there and that's the important thing for listeners to hear and this is what makes it not mamby pamby mm. it's not that we're saying and then 
all the tensions disappear. All the tensions are still there, but you're coping with them more effectively. Yeah. That's the only, that's the thing that we're talking about here. And actually, that takes us to study too, pretty nicely. Let's do it. Because what they basically then do is they have this scale that they developed over all those different studies. And then they're going to go into an organization. We'll talk about what that organization is. And they just want to basically test it in a real life set of employees. How does it affect their performance and how does it affect their kind of emotions? And so on. So let's talk about what that. Um, do you have that that group of people? Uh, I, do I have it? Uh, uh, no. I'll find Can it. Can I get it? Uh, <laughs> okay. Here we go. It is a large consumer products company. Uh, they have electronic, industrial, pharmaceutical, medical, and fabric. They had um, what was it? One hundred thirty-five. People. Let's say yes. Uh, uh, I thought it was a bigger sample than that, but that's what I have typed down here. That's funny. I should have had that. Yeah, my, my notes are all over the place. So uh, well, these would be people that are like on average 43 years old. Mean tenure would be 13 years. So, oh, if you're a listener out there, it's a pretty big sample. I thought it was a little bigger, but actually now I'm looking. It's about 135 people. Um, but it's a pretty real sample. And they essentially wanted to go in there and just say, Despite them experiencing the tensions, some people are able to create this paradox mindset, and those that do are going to have higher in-roll performance and better um, innovation. Yes. Contribution. And what I liked about this was there was an element to it, which was one of the uh, one of the controls. And so one of the things that they wanted to control out was like, because you mentioned this earlier, it's like you kind of need to know what is causing the factor. So... And this is, I guess this stood out for me because one of the traps that I can fall into and maybe other people can relate to this who are listening is being able to find an excuse as to why someone else can cope, but you can't. Mm. So sometimes Mm. the excuse might be, well, they've worked here longer, so they know all of the systems better. Another excuse might be, well, they're older than me, so maybe they are a bit more like, you know, mature and experienced. But they controlled for uh, age, position, Mm -hmm. gender, and education. Sometimes it's like we might beat ourselves down and be a bit like, well, they've got like a better degree than I have, or maybe they've gone further in it. And it was just great to see that they controlled Mm -hmm. for those factors. Once again, it was their current position, their their age, their gender and education. And these didn't have an effect, which what I love about that is encouraging to suggest that this mindset it's open to us all. We like, all can try yeah, to develop it. Yeah. Um, I wish I had a wish that there was a better answer to the question of like, how do you get it? Yeah. Because it is, quote, just thinking, unquote, but it's also kind of rare. So it's not as though once you hear about this, then it's easy. Mm. In the same way that like being mindful, you know, that thing about like knowing that you're alive. Yep. It's kind of easy to actually forget that. Right. When things get busy and you, all of a sudden there's a lot of forest, but you forget about the trees. And, yes. And yeah. It's really very interesting. So in this one, um, what they found is a pretty good range in terms of like everybody experienced the tensions, but some people were able to get this high paradox mindset. And the thing that I really wanted to point out here is that they found 
that people that didn't have the um, the paradox or this paradox mindset, it wasn't like that was horrible for them. But what they found is that people that did have the paradox mindset had higher in-roll job performance. Mm. It's not that not having it made it go lower. Yeah. It's that it was kind of rare, but those that had it, their performance was actually higher. And then I think they found the exact same thing with innovation. They found that uh, for employees with a low paradox mindset, experiencing these greater tensions, it didn't lead to lower innovation. But what happened high paradox mindset, when they had lots of those tensions, they had more innovation. That's what's kind of interesting about it. Um, another way to say it, just to make it clear again, is it's not saying that you don't feel the tensions. It's that your responses to them are more useful. And excelling. Yeah, thriving. Yeah. And again, as well, I think it links to this idea of enjoying your life. Like, for me, that was like one of... Like, could I enjoy what I'm doing a bit more? Like, is is it possible? Because I'm... How can I put this? I'm a bit disillusioned by the, the carrot being promotions and pay rises. I'm a bit like, well, there's always going to be a higher you can kind of like go. And there's always going to be more money to be made. But like, so I'm a bit like, it just doesn't- The journey. You want the journey yeah, to be compelling. I, I, I want, I want yeah. to enjoy yeah. what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. And so this idea that I could wake up one day and kind of initially be a bit like, oh crap, and then my mindset kick in yeah. and I'm a bit like game on. That's better. That's yeah. better. I think, because um, as we're close, moving to close here, I think that if you're out there listening, I hope that we've just intrigued you of the possibility. I don't think that we've said enough here that can take you personally to get that mindset. I'd, I'd, I think that there would be meditation route to go or there'd be a lot of reading about paradoxes in the world route to go. This isn't quite enough, but I hope that we've intrigued people to know that it is possible to develop a reaction to tension in the world, which we all have, that says rather than trying to beat it, I think I'm going to join it. Mm. And I guess that what comes out of that is more thriving. Yeah. It feels better. You're more creative. You produce better output. And so it looks like you're winning and it feels like you're winning. And that, that, that's, that's really all we can do on this thing. I mean, we're all up against it. I was, I was reading this little thing about like, you got these scientists out there and what they're really trying to do is create these innovations, but they also got to ship the product that they promised to people last month. And we're all facing those tensions every day. That's not unique to you, me, or anyone out there. What's unique is allowing our brain to accept it and then respond as well as possible. Mm, Lovely. On that note, wonderful listeners, uh, if you catch us on LinkedIn, if you catch us on on Twitter and you see us post, if you could hit share, that would just be so delightful. It helps the podcast grow. It's it's expanding bit by bit and we're we're loving seeing more and more people uh, joining and enjoying. So, you know what, right? When it comes to the end, I just start kind of like capitulating. Goodbye, everyone. Ciao.